Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. So after a friend invited Daniel to church, his views about church and about Jesus changed dramatically. And in the current teaching series here at The Gathering, we hope that your views about church and about Jesus and about church membership or partnership as we call it, will also change dramatically. Last week we talked about the importance of, of functioning partners in the local church. And this morning we, I want to talk with you about unifying partnership in the local church. And in the book of Ephesians, uh, the word unity appears uh, three or four times. And in the passage that we just read a few moments ago, the word unity appears twice. To build up membership or church partnership that brings glory to God, we, we really have to pay some attention to unity within the local church. But what does it take for people like us to be unifying members of the body of Christ in a local church like the gathering? Well, first of all, I suggest it requires an obsession with your calling. <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So Paul is urging us to walk, to, to live in a manner that is worthy of this high and holy calling with which we've been called. We've been called to the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to the New Testament, you and I have been called to belong to Jesus. We're called according to the purposes of God. And we're called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. What a great privilege that is. We're called to peace. We're called in the grace of Christ. We're called to freedom. We're called to hope. We're called through the gospel. We're called to eternal life. We're called to be holy and called children of God in the scriptures. Woohoo! We've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. We've been called by Jesus to bless others. We've been called by the Father to eternal glory in Christ. That's what we've been called to and for. Paul is urging us in Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 1, to walk, to live out our lives in a manner that is worthy of this high and holy calling from God to be in Christ. There's not enough time this morning for us to even mind the depths of that one phrase. Paul wants us, he's desperate for us to, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have called. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that the only way we can do that is to understand that God has called us to be saved by grace through repentance and faith alone in Jesus Christ, which are also gifts of His grace. And even our response of faith is motivated by and inspired by and driven by the Spirit of God. So there's absolutely nothing I can do or you can do to be called into repentance 
and faith because those are gifts from God and he gives them to us, not by works, but by his grace. And, and, and once I've, I've been called and I've responded to the call of God and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I must become obsessed with that calling, the calling to God himself, the calling to Christ himself, and then live out that calling every single day of my life by the grace of God and for his glory. Does that make sense? Unity is not possible in the church of Jesus Christ unless and until we understand that our church has been called into existence by God the Father through the grace of Jesus Christ, His Son. A denomination didn't start this. A pastor didn't start this. This is the... This was birthed by God himself. Do you believe that? So, so what does it take for people like us to become unifying members of the body of Christ or a local church? Well, it, it first of all requires that we become obsessed with our calling. We're, we're called to be members of Christ's family even before we become members of a church. Secondly, it requires a commitment to strong character. Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And then he begins to explain a little bit what that walk should look like. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So we've been called by God through the gospel, to believe in Jesus, and then serve as his ambassadors. We're like, we're like spokesmen and women for Jesus. We get to serve him. We get to speak to people on his behalf. We get to tell them that, you know, in the beginning, God had a wonderful and perfect design for the world and for our lives, but through sin, brokenness entered. And all kinds of brokenness and people try to address that brokenness in all kinds of ways giving money away and becoming members of some religious order or or doing good things to good people in and of themselves all good things but that's not the way to get back to God so the good news of Jesus Christ is that God sent his one and only son to die on a cross and pay the penalty for our sin the, 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 the penalty that we should have paid Jesus paid he paid it all and we owe everything to him. Jesus paid for that. But the only way that, that I can be rescued by that good news is if I repent and believe in that good news. So the journey from brokenness to the good news of Jesus is paved with repentance for my sin and faith in Jesus Christ. And once I... Once I believe that, once I believe in Christ, once I receive Jesus by believing in his name, then I have the right and privilege to be a child of God and run like crazy, pursue hard after that original design of God for my life. It requires a strong commitment to strong character after that. We've been called by God through the gospel to believe in Jesus and then serve as his ambassadors. And that, Paul says, requires strong character. It requires gentleness and humility and patience and forbearance and love.
and it's been my experience, then even when you try to walk in those things, it doesn't guarantee unity. Because unity requires more than myself, more than yourself. It requires other people. And not everybody has the same commitment to gentleness and peace and patience and goodness and forbearance and forgiveness. They just don't. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Thank you. In an article for the Wall Street Journal, a researcher noted that most of us, when we're first starting out and sort of climbing the social ladder, so to speak, are really nice people. But once we get closer to the top, we start acting like a beast. And I'm quoting the article, beast. A business professor in the article concluded that when you give people power, they basically start acting like fools. They flirt inappropriately, they tease in a hostile fashion, and become totally impulsive. Is that what it's like at your office? <laughs> the researchers asked the members of this so-called high-power group about speeding on the highway. And the group concluded that it was okay for them to speed, but that everyone else should drive and observe the posted limit. Their rationale was that they're powerful people and more important, and so they had a good reason for speeding. <laughs> Try that one with the police officer next time he stops you. But sir, I'm an important person. I think it's safe to say that we're not interested in high-powered, power-hungry people becoming partners at the gathering. We're just not interested in catering to high-powered people who think that they deserve some special treatment. Not interested. We need men and women with strong biblical character, just like it says in Ephesians 4, verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. So hard to do. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Trust the Word of God to just slice your heart into many pieces. Wow. So what's required to build a strong, healthy partnership at the gathering? It, an obsession with your calling, a commitment to strong character, but it also requires an affection for spiritual unity. Paul says this in verse 3 of chapter 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And there's about six sermons right there in those three verses. But notice, if you would please, notice with me that believers do not create unity. Believers don't create unity. They, they can't manufacture it. We can't produce unity. Rather, we preserve the unity that is already established by the Spirit of God when He calls us together in one hope. 
That's exactly what the text says. Make every effort to, what's the word? Keep the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit of God has already created unity in a body of believers. It's already there. Our part, our job, our responsibility is to keep that unity and to keep that peace. And again, try as we will, sometimes it doesn't work. Nevertheless, we have to have an affection for the unity that the Spirit wants to bring. An affection. We have to have a, a, a desire for that. And if you're going to work towards spiritual unity, you, you have to have that, that affection for, for, for unity itself. So Paul really presses his readers to work hard at maintaining uh, the oneness in Christ that binds all believers to each other. And whatever else happens, you know, keep the unity of the Spirit. At the turn of the century, which is only like 16 years ago, it sounds so much further back, doesn't it, when you say at the turn of the century. 16 years ago, a blockbuster reigned supreme in the video rental industry. And if your family craved a movie night prior to about the year 2000, one of you got in the car and drove to a local blockbuster video store to rent a video, right? Well, when the, fam when the founder of this new startup called Netflix contacted the CEO of Blockbuster and met with him to propose a merger, he was laughed out of the corporate office. And then just 10 years later, Netflix became the largest source of streaming internet traffic in North America with over 20 million subscribers. And Blockbuster declared bankruptcy. So things can change pretty fast in the marketplace, can't they? Just ask Alberta and the oil sands industry. Things can turn upside down so quickly and change so fast. A friend of mine just got a diagnosis a couple of weeks ago. Life has changed. At a time when everything, everything seems to be up for grabs in our culture and in our economy, and yes, even in some of our churches, we must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's a non-negotiable. That should not change. Our affection for spiritual unity shouldn't waver. If we don't keep the unity, we will become morally and spiritually bankrupt. Fourthly, unity in our local church also requires collaboration with gifted leadership. Paul moves now from what all Christians uh, have in common to, what, uh, uh, to, to how Christians differ from each other. So he moves from what, what we all have in common, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one Jesus, to how Christians differ from each other. He's discussing variety and individuality and diversity in the context of unity in the Spirit. And he says in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And you know that there are several lists of spiritual gifts in the scriptures in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, 
Lists of spiritual gifts. God has given every believer in Jesus Christ at least one spiritual gift that they're to, to use, to, to learn what it is, and then to learn uh, how to use that gift for the building up of the body, for the common good of the church. But here in Ephesians 4, the emphasis is not so much on spiritual gifts as it is on gifted leaders. Because these are people. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are people. These are, in a sense, officers, if you'll let me use that, that word. Officers that God gives to the church. Gifted people that he gives to the church. And in order to have a strong, uh, healthy church that is loving and growing and serving and multiplying the way it should, we have to have gifted leaders who are strong in character and passionate about their calling and they have an affection for spiritual unity and they're, they're doing whatever it takes to serve the body of Christ. I mean, would, would you allow a surgeon to operate on a tumor at the base of your spine just because she was a nice person and belonged to the same school district that you did? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Would you buy, would you lay out thirty-five or forty thousand dollars for a new vehicle or new truck just because the salesman parted his hair a certain way? That's crazy. You have high standards when it comes to, to, uh, surgery and you have high standards for, for laying out thirty-five thousand dollars in cash and I don't blame you. So why should we compromise when it comes to spiritual leadership in our church? Why should we spend any less time doing the research and, and doing what needs to be done in order to make sure that we're, we get the right, the right people? Why should we compromise? God says he's given certain people to lead the church and only those people with leadership gifts should lead. So let's find these gifted leaders. <laughs> let's, let's find them and, and train them and affirm them and unleash them and let them uh, lead us as we follow them. As they follow Christ, we will follow them. Okay, so what else? What else is required to becoming a unifying partner at the gathering? It requires a steady growth in spiritual maturity. The gifted leaders that God gives to the church are then supposed to equip the rest of the church to do the work of ministry so that the body of Christ is built up, Ephesians 4:13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's the goal right there, spiritual maturity and unity in the faith. So keep equipping all these leaders Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Equip, equip, equip. Build up the body of Christ so that we can keep pressing towards spiritual maturity and unity of the faith. And then he describes what maturity looks like in verses 14 through 16. So partners at the gathering should be, they should be growing steadily in their faith. They should be speaking the truth in love. Uh, Partners at the gathering should be growing up in every way into Christ and building up one another in love instead of being tossed about by every wind of doctrine and the deceitful schemes of the devil. A commitment to spiritual unity goes a long way in promoting spiritual maturity in Christ. And notice that little phrase in Ephesians 4.16. <laughs> The whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. And there's, there's just nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. There's nothing like it. 
It's just a great place to be. It's a, it's a fun place to be. It's a, it's a thrilling enterprise when everyone is working properly, when each part is working properly. So to make disciples and to bring more glory to God, we have to work together and we have to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We have to pay close attention to this blueprint for unity in the church. We need partners. We need partners here at the gathering who are committed to spiritual unity. And so if someone happens to be interested in partnership here at the gathering, we say, come and listen to these four messages or listen to the sermons online. Read the articles and watch the videos that are on the partnership tab on the website. And then get to one of these partnership seminars. There's one on Wednesday and one on Saturday. We've got two more coming in October. Uh, but don't, late, don't wait for the blue light special. Get in early. Get in early. So the seminar is offered this coming Wednesday evening and again on Saturday morning for your convenience. You only have to attend one, not all four, just one of the seminars. But we do ask you to register in advance, as Charlene said, so we know how many booklets to print. First set of seminars, Wednesday, September 21st at 7, Saturday, September 24th at 9. Read the articles, watch the videos, come to the seminar. I encourage you to go to the website today and... and Get started on the work. It doesn't take very long. It's really uh, quite interesting, I think. And uh, if you don't have a computer, you don't know how to register for it, just talk to one of our team members at the welcome desk, and they will help you today. And doing the work, doing the reading and listening to the videos and even coming to the seminar does not automatically guarantee that you're going to become a member or a partner at the church. Maybe you're just interested in gaining more information, gaining access to more information because you're fairly new to the gathering, but you're interested. So come. You're welcome to come. And uh, you can decide at a later date whether or not you want to follow through. But if you do want to become a partner, you need to do the reading, watch the videos, Come to the seminar and you, you also have to have been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. And since we've been saying that very uh, publicly, it's come to my attention that one of the reasons that a lot of people pull back from being baptized is that they don't want to give a public testimony. Oh, I can't talk in public, Pastor. I'm no good up in front of people. It scares me to think about standing in that tank and having to speak. Let me assure you... We got you covered. You don't have to give a public testimony if you don't want to. The command is to be baptized. The command is not to speak publicly. So let us let me help you through that. Let me walk you through that. I have a way. I have a plan for your life. So so just come and talk to me after the service. If that's one of the reasons why you're holding back, then I can help you. And, and so can Nathan Langwas, because he did a great job. And his baptism and his testimony. So did Phil, the last, bap got, last guys we baptized. So uh, I, I know that uh, that's uh, something that holds people back. And I just want to uh, remove that barrier from you. It, it's been years now since I baptized Grandma Hunch. But she was 92 when I baptized her. Raised in a, in a Christian tradition that, that baptized only babies and she struggled for many, 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 many years, like decades. Uh, and finally came to this place where she said, no, I, I need to be baptized as a, as an adult believer in Jesus. And so I baptized her 
one Sunday morning in our church uh, back out west, and the guys didn't tell me that the hot water heater the week before had gone on the on the fritz, and so the tank was full of cold water, and Grandma Hanch walked in, 92 years old, walked down the steps, and when her toes hit that icy cold water, she went, <gasps> and of course the whole tank, the whole area was miked, you know, and people just sat there, frozen, no pun intended. They didn't know what to do. And I just said, come on, Grandma Hans, you can do it. She walked down the steps, and I had to put her under this icy cold water and baptize her. I'm telling you, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. God was there. And it would just be such a privilege to baptize those believers who haven't yet been baptized. Uh, talk to me today. Stop at the welcome desk and say, okay, I give in. I give up. I'll get baptized. Um, we'd love to do that. October 16th is our next baptism service. We'd love to include you. So, if I was going to wrap up this morning, and, and uh, we were going to have a, a time of invitation, and I was going to hand out response cards to you, which I'm not, but if I was, those response cards might look something like this. Because I am a church partner, I will seek to be a source of unity in the gathering. you have any problem with that? No. By acting in love toward everyone in our church. Good still? By refusing to gossip. By showing up for worship on Sunday. And by following the gospel-centered leaders in our church family. I know there are no perfect pastors. That's for sure. Church leaders or church members anywhere. And I'm not perfect either. I will serve as a unifying partner by discovering my spiritual gifts and learning how to serve with a servant's heart. I will do all I can in the power of the Holy Spirit to maintain unity in our church for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Sign me up. Sign me up. I want to be part of a church like that. Don't you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your word declares how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. So, Lord Jesus, when you show up and begin to thaw tensions and deconstruct divisions and enable your people to move forward together in unity, it's a beautiful thing. We have a, a distinct advantage here at the gathering of not having been around long enough to have time enough to get mad at each other. And I hope that day never comes. I hope there's never the kind of division and tension in our church that sometimes wrecks other churches. So boldly and shamelessly we ask you for a fresh outpouring of your spirit on our church, on the gathering a downpour of humility, repentance, and healing. A deluge of the power of your presence. Jesus, drench us with the humbling and unifying dew of the Spirit and the Gospel. We want to be sopping wet, not merely damp. Saturate us with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
And we're not looking to Aaron and his beard, but to you and your enthronement at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, you are the great high priest who has received the Spirit without measure, so that you can pour forth the Spirit without reservation. Do so without delay, Lord Jesus, we pray. We ask this for the glory of God and the fame of your name. So, Jesus, this morning we're, we're just letting go of all that we have so that we can have all of you. And no matter what the cost, we will follow. Because you're worth it all. Continue to heal us. Rescue us. Reconcile us. Deploy us into your ripened harvest and broken creation together. We want to serve together. We want to do this together with brothers and sisters. Our hearts knit together in love for the sake of the gospel. And forever we will shout your praises. Jesus, you are worth it all. This we pray in the glorious and gracious name of Jesus. Amen.